Welcome back to Gateways, a podcast about the people, the places, and the possibilities of our regional cities. I'm Ben Foreman, and today's episode is the final in our series on early college. We started this back in June with some research we put out to spotlight how powerful early college is as a strategy to increase post-secondary degree completion among disadvantaged students in Massachusetts. This time we get into why early college is so important to economic development efforts, particularly in our gateway city regions. We begin this episode with a conversation I had last week at the North Central Massachusetts Early College Summit. We talk with Roy Nascimento, President and CEO of the North Central Mass Chamber of Commerce, and Glenn Eaton, Executive Director of the Massachusetts Regional Planning Commission. Then we go out to Springfield for a conversation with John Cook, President of Springfield Technical Community College, and he tells us how they partnered with the Springfield High School of Commerce to start Massachusetts's newest early college high school. First up, Glenn and Roy. So it's really great to be here with you, Glenn and Roy, this morning in uh, Fitchburg and Lemonster. You know, every time I come out to this region, I'm just amazed, and you can just see what a, you know, how much potential it has to contribute to our growing commonwealth. So, um, you know, I think investing in education is really important. I just want to get your take on early college and all the work that's gone into it up here because you definitely stand out as a leader in the Commonwealth. So um, maybe I'll start with, with you, Roy. Sure. So first of all, thank you for, um, for um, this opportunity to talk about education and the, the critical links between uh, education and the workforce and our employers. And I think I want to start with talking a little bit about the work we've done around education um, and particularly our uh, manufacturing task force that we formed uh, that came out with a report called Build North Central. And there were some recommendations in that report uh, directly from employers as well as from uh, education leaders because we convened both of them. And uh, there were some great uh, recommendations There were some policy recommendations. There were some programmatic recommendations. There were some things that we could do here locally, working together with with, uh, educators, uh, but also some some policy stuff. And there were certain themes, and and what most, um, you know, it was interesting because it was manufacturers, but I think if we had taken other industries, uh, there would have been some of the same recommendations uh, from the employment community. And uh, a lot of those uh, really talked about uh, ways to better prepare uh, students uh, for success in life and, and uh, in careers, but eventually in life uh, by uh, getting them career ready and college ready. And uh, some of the recommendations really align with a lot of this early college uh, work that's being done. Uh, really, the, the themes were, um, you know, college pathways, uh, career pathways, identifying uh, and developing those pathways, uh, work-based learning. Uh, and these are all uh, critical components of early uh, college uh, initiatives uh, and the, the work that the college is doing and, and Fitchburg State is doing with our local schools is better preparing students, getting them into a pathway, uh, getting them prepared, giving them credentialing, uh, which was one of the recommendations of our report as well. So it aligns with that, and we're big proponents of that. We're big advocates of anything that can help prepare the workforce and get students uh, better prepared uh, for success in life. And Glenn, it's a little unusual to see a planner. I'm a planner myself by training a planner at an education event. So, you know, what brings you here? So I think uh, at the Monitors at Regional Planning Commission, there is one thing that we do, and I was hired in 99 to be the Economic Development Specialist for the Regional Planning Agency. And I've always had a passion for uh, for economic developments. Uh, years before Roy was hired, I had the privilege to serve the North Central Mass Chamber of Commerce uh, as an economic development manager, and I was uh, making loans, managing a nonprofit loan program. So I 
But prior to that, I was working in the public sector for cities and towns and community development and economic development and grant writing and some planning. But even though I was doing ED in the public sector, I really didn't know what ED was until I worked for the private nonprofit sector, making loans, meeting businesses. And so I've always had a passion in that area. And fast forward now, we at the MRPC, we receive federal funding every year from the Economic Development Administration, and we compile a uh, report every five years we update. It's called the Comprehensive Economic Development Strategy. So I want to take a cue from Roy, where he's talking about a report that, that his entity did. So about every five years, we call it the SEDS, the CEDS. And the, the SEDS is basically a, a, it's a laundry list of a lot of demographics, and it's a little bit of a policy document. But at the end of the document, it's, it's a collection of projects that the communities want to see get done in their particular communities, their respective communities, for economic development initiatives, downtown redevelopment, and build industrial parks, uh, promote the education of the workforce, just about everything you can think of. It's, it's quite a, quite, a, quite a comprehensive report. And, and within that, what, what we have struggled with for so many years is getting the input from the private sector. So this year, for the first time, we asked the four regional chambers, hey, can we go to your shops? Can you get your people around the table? And at each shop of the four regional chambers, North Central Neshoba, North Coavin, and Greater Gardner, they had 10 or 12 people each from the private sector. And we get to talk to 48 or 50 people and ask them the questions, what do they want to see happening in the region? What are their concerns, strengths, and weaknesses? And all, all that typical stuff we do in the planning world, right? And uh, education, 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 training, soft skills, technical skills, all of those things we hear about in the media all the time came through loudly and clearly. Um, there was a, a great recommendation at the North Central Chamber by one of the participants, and he said, well, can we do something else with our educational institutions by having more technical training programs? So it was, it's, it's a great document, but it relates to things on the ground that we do, and we see what, what's needed in the region. So I think that's why Fagan from the Mount gave me a jingle and said, hey, can you talk about some of the things going on in the economy of North Central? Yeah. Well, you know, we've had early colleges for a while around the state, but most of them are serving students in the, you know, in the 20s, 30s range, which probably is not going to impact most local businesses at that small scale. And so there's been a lot of effort to try and scale early college, as a lot of other states have done. Um, it was a part of the conversation in the legislation, the Student Opportunity Act, that the House will take up on Wednesday. I think this will come out the day before on Tuesday. Uh, and the business community really made a point to try and integrate early college expansion into that legislation. Do you want to talk a little bit about that effort, Roy? Absolutely. So we are big advocates uh, for education reform, uh, dedicating more resources uh, to our schools, but uh, more importantly, uh, making some reforms, meaningful reforms that will help uh, prepare our workforce and help prepare these students uh, for careers. And programs like this, early college, um, that there's been research that has been well documented, that it's successful, um, that these programs are successful in preparing uh, these students uh, to be able to graduate, the higher uh, levels of completion if they go through this type of program. Uh, they are completing um, school uh, earlier and uh, it's costing uh, it's costing them less and it's costing the state less uh, and that was well documented by the presentation that you made and uh, ultimately it's uh, giving them a pathway you know it's connecting them to the schools helping them think about where what they want to do for a career and and uh, that is critical uh, employers we heard that loud and clear from employers uh, they are all struggling right now with finding uh, qualified skilled workers to fill in-demand positions, positions that are paying well 
and uh, that have good um, career ladders and good benefits. And uh, employers uh, said it loud and clear there need to be reforms to help prepare students so that they're ready and able to succeed in the workforce. Uh, and these types of initiatives are so critical to that. It was great this morning to step into the ballroom at the Doubletree Hotel and see uh, it full with 200 people at the North Central Massachusetts Early College Summit. I don't know of any other region that's having an early college summit. So it seems like you guys are well prepared for when more resources come to schools to make sure that they get spent well in early college expansion. Do you want to just talk a little bit about your region and, and why it's cohesive and, and, and organized in, in that sort of strategic way around this? Uh, I've worked all across the state in 33 years, and, and there are two places I've had the pleasure of working that have uh, people that just roll their sleeves, they leave uh, uh, issues at the door, and, and they work together very well. And, and that's the North Central Mass area, and then a city that I used to work for in the past, which did a great job. And those, those two, two areas just work well together. The, I want to dovetail what Roy, Roy said about you know, some of the, the legislation. That, that there needs to be, I believe, a monumental or a pivotal change, or something really needs to happen, because at these business roundtables, we kept hearing, you know, there's one thing that stuck with me, and one of the employers said, you know what, the 18 to 25-year-olds I'm hiring struggle to write a memo, a sentence, a cohesive paragraph. And not that they're disparaging any of the English teachers that they've had or anything like that, but the kids are so in tune with writing. You know, they're, they're used to writing uh, on, a, on a cell phone or, or through texting, and, and there's so much more than that. And, and there, are, there are other issues with soft skills that, that need to be addressed. I, I was happy to hear anecdotally recently, I believe the State Department of Education is going to put challenging the high schools to put some more industrial arts, I call it industrial arts, you can tell how old I am, uh, back into the local schools. Um, and, and I think that's really important. I mean, the only reason I can build a deck on my house this weekend is because I was taught geometry and, and woodshop back in school. But I, I think the last 20, 30 years, we forgot to teach you know, the, the kids some basic skills. And I think that's true, so important. And I think we've really lost that, especially with the reshoring of our companies coming back, and it's like, well, where's that manufacturing workforce that we always had? We offshored, now we're reshoring, now we need to retrain people. And that's why the schools are so important, the maker spaces are important, the incubators are so important. So I, I but we work well together on those things. Um, I'm working with, in the western part of the region, a maker space, it'll be the first one on Route 2 in Orange and Athol, and I'm working with an incubator in Gardner that's one of the only uh, incubators like it in its, of its kind in the state, if not the nation. So we need to do more innovative things. But these people in this area do that, like Roy and others. Yeah, I began my remarks this morning by talking about how you guys have the most productive, globally innovative economy in the world on your front doorstep, just down the road. And you know, if efforts to improve commuter rail service give you better connectivity to that, it'd be great for you to have the skilled workforce to, to not just take advantage of those jobs, but to reach in there and bring some of that innovation back here to, to incubate, you know, high growth, high productivity businesses. You know, I think early college is one way to get kids those, those skills early. But again, you know, getting this money programmed into good programs is always a challenge. And um, Roy, last thoughts on how the business community partners with K through 12 and higher ed? Well, uh, just to um, circle back uh, with what Glenn said, you know, this is a very special place. Uh, I've worked in throughout the state as well, and North Central Massachusetts um, has a very engaged business community, uh, engaged civic leaders, a lot of strong partnerships. This is a, a region where community leaders, business leaders can pick up the phone, and, uh, and the region is very action-oriented. They want to get things done and will roll up their sleeves, as Glenn said, and get something done. So it, it doesn't surprise me that, uh, that our region is taking the lead 
lead on uh, early college initiatives. And I will also say I, I have to give kudos to our schools. Uh, we have very strong schools here in North Central Massachusetts that are willing to co- collaborate with uh, the business community and uh, collaborate with other stakeholders and other community partners. And it shows with our MCAS scores and graduation rates, uh, which are, uh, are higher than the rest of the state, um, which is, is very positive and uh, is indicative of those partnerships and the work that's being done right in the trenches by uh, so many stakeholders. So we're a great region, and these initiatives just put us at a, a competitive advantage and prepare us uh, for the skills uh, that uh, that are going to be required in the future uh, as part of this global economy. And it's, it's just really putting us uh, in a position uh, to compete in this um, 25th century uh, economy. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. In fact, I, I usually show a slide with graduation rates and I took it out because they don't look as bleak as they do in most other places where we go. And, and we've ha- had your students on the podcast to talk about their early college experiences. And I think you can show uh, what you guys have been providing for them, and we hope the state supports that work. So, thanks for your time this Thank morning you. and all your you all your leadership. Us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Now, for an educator's perspective on how early college prepares students to contribute to their local and regional economies, let's hear the conversation I had back at Mass Inc. in our podcast studio with John Cook, president of Springfield Technical Community College. Welcome, John. Good to be with you, Ben. Well, we're excited to have you because we heard just recently that you teamed up with uh, Springfield uh, Commerce High to create a new early college, uh, and students are going to be able to take up to 20 credits at no cost to them. So uh, we really want to hear about how you um, you worked with, with the high school leadership to make that happen. But maybe first just tell us a little bit about sure. yourself. Sure. Excited to have this conversation about early college, um, about STCC or STIC, as our students call us. Um, but sure, uh, Good to be with you. I, I came out of New Hampshire. I was there 16 years in, in public higher education. I worked for 12 of those with Granite State College, um, one of those uh, unique institutions. It's part of the public university system uh, known for adult education, adult learners, but also online. They were uh, early adopters of that um, modality. Um, and then more recently, um, I was uh, the chief academic officer, the vice president of academic affairs at Manchester Community College right there in Manchester, New Hampshire. And then I got hired by Springfield Technical uh, in 2016, and, and time flies when you're having fun. It's my, my fourth fall at the college. That's great. That's great. Well, I'm glad to have you here. It sounds like um, get you out from a lot of sho- shoveling up there. <laughs> for, for sure. So what, what's been the college's history with early college? Uh, we've, we've had a, a, a great position, if you will, on that. We, we, we get some monies from the Commonwealth to help us, um, but over the last 10 years, we have essentially said to all of our area high school students, uh, come, learn about the technical community college that's uh, right close by. And uh, the position, as we like, like to say, is um, over the last 10 years, we've, we've put about $2.5 million of unrealized tuition and fees on top of the monies that we've got from, from Massachusetts. So a pretty wide open door for high school students through the dual enrollment. We call it college now uh, for them to better understand what we have to offer. And we see a good, a good uh, rate of return, if you will, on that. Um, you know, depending on how, how far into the future we look, somewhere between 20 and 40% of those students uh, do end up matriculating with us. So we, we see the value there, um, and certainly funding is one of those topics we're always, always talking about. So uh, you know, looking at the research on, on dual enrollment, which has been offered for 20 or 30 years, and tended to go a lot toward more affluent students that were looking for greater challenges. And, and the early college model is really about a structured environment, providing a lot of supports. 
so that first time, first generation college students get the exposure they need and the support to get past a lot of the barriers and obstacles they they face. You know, it seems like Commerce High is an ideal kind of and we school saw, to we build saw, that kind of program with. We saw some of that uh, in our numbers too. Who were the folks taking classes? At one point, we were offering online in our dual enrollment, and we thought we want to kind of demystify the campus and get them here, um, get them to see the the wonderful facilities and labs that we have. So we've made some revisions there. Um, but that's why I like the term early college. It's in in line with much more intentionality, just like the guided pathways conversation we're having here. Um, what we have in this early college pathway with commerce is not the entire catalog. We have six areas in particular um, with some of our non-credit, which I think is, is unique in Massachusetts, some non-credit specific workforce certifications. Um, so again, healthcare right at the top of the list, that's really, really important. So it's the idea of you could be a commerce student, earn up to 20 credits in our health science degree. It's going to get you simulation so you can first find out in a in a safe setting if this is even for you. We're going to simulate sounds, smells, the whole environment. It's pretty remarkable. I've gone through it myself um, with our very talented simulation uh, center staff. But you're also going to earn a credential. And as we know, healthcare is particular about how you get a foot in some of these career pathways. You have to have a license, a credential, a certificate of some sort. So being an EMT, a phlebotomist, sterile health processor, we have put all these on the table with high school commerce. And to your final point there, they are 90% of color and they are literally across the street from us. So there are just tremendous synergies uh, in this type of an arrangement. Yeah. I'm, I'm just looking at the latest long-term research on early college and it shows the kids are more likely to not only complete a an associate's degree, but they're also more likely to complete a four-year degree as compared to their peers if they've had early college. I think a lot of that has to do with them getting that credential so that they're in a better position to kind of earn their way through college and, 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 and not having as much economic instability. Yeah, and, and, and again, uh, an oppor- no, nothing like high school to try to get a few of these things sorted out. People, students, young adults, when you ask them, you know, where do you see the future? What's in my... They, for all I know, may not even be able to say, I want to be a nurse, I want to be a firefighter, I want to work in IT. They may say, well, I like gaming. And so for me, I just I just need a little toehold. We'll work with that and we'll figure out. And that's, if you will, on us with our, our respective staffs between the high school and the teachers, often faculty to faculty, to say, look, when we're not trying to overwhelm a given student or family with choice, we're going to help work them in and see, is that fit there? We can also, quite frankly, have the conversation about um, math and developmental education, the whole remediation conversation, and the idea of we can work some of that out, we can figure out some of the math aspects right there in high school, not have to wait for them to even have applied, take a thing like the AccuPlacer, and then we have a different kind of conversation. Yeah. But back to the point about the credential, and you Mm -hmm. you mentioned some non-credit-bearing credentials. Are Commerce High students finishing their high school with with the credential that they've earned, that'll get them a better job as they go on to pursue other post-secondary studies? That is my hope. And take EMT right there. Um, a pathway to lots of different professions, including things like working as a firefighter. A lot of people are getting hired um, because they have that EMT as a distinguishing credential to go work in the field of, of fire science. But yes, that's the idea is um, they're going to take a one credit course. And this is, if you will, the ideal pathway. One credit as a 10th grader 
where they really help define what's college success and what's that pathway. They're going to take six credits as an 11th grader, and they're going to take 12 credits as a senior, including that credential, that certification, like an EMT or a phlebotomist. Yep, that's all baked into this pathway. Okay. So when they graduate, they'll have up to 20 credits. 20 credits. And to your point, especially if they're uh, opting for that health pathway, a specific definable um, credential. And 20 credits is... I guess a third of the a way third, toward yeah, a degree. Yeah, third of the way towards a degree. All free. They haven't had to pay No for cost to the, to the student. So that, that is, in addition to being able to earn some more money, they also have much less to pay for as they No, no student that. loan debt, sure. for sure. Um, so what are, the, you know, what are the industries that you think are really going to benefit most from the, the program you're building at Commerce? You know, we know this um, in Hamden County and in, in Greater Springfield, but I, I see this in the labor bl- blueprints for every part of the Commonwealth. Is it's healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. I mean, w- Bay State, which is our largest um, hospital healthcare provider in Springfield, has twelve thousand employees. A, a re- remarkable engine of employment in their own right. Um, we know this is such a need and such a demand. So yes, there are other aspects um, to these type of early college pathways. As I mentioned, there's an IT cyber. Um, we've put business in there. Um, but healthcare is so critical. And if we can find, um, again, I, it's, we'll wear the word, we will wear the word out pathways and opportunities for students to consider these different careers because there's just a multitude in a given uh, healthcare s- setting. Um, this is, I think, how we make a contribution as, as a community college. And ha- have you gotten to the point yet where you're working with commerce and your employer partners to think about what kind of internships, career exposure, and other opportunities they can students can get as p- being enrolled in the early college program? We have. Spe- I know um, as we, we've announced and we launched this um, next semester, but of course just doing dual enrollment already, um, we've got great faculty and staff uh, at the college who understand the, the clinical in this case in particular, the clinical aspects. Um, to work or to intern or apprentice in a lot of these healthcare settings, you have to go through Corey Sori and some of those background checks. Um, we've got folks who are ready to, to really help um, facilitate that, um, be good stewards, you know, just just that constant interaction back and forth with our staff and with, with the high school staff is going to be pretty critical. Yeah. So, the, you know, the last thing, we've been interested in how you get to early college at scale. I know that in Worcester, they're, all their high schools have an early college within them. They're trying to serve all those students. And every additional s- student carries an additional cost, whether you're forgiving their tuition and fees, whether you're covering co- the cost of their textbooks, uh, whether you're allowing them to take, I think in Lawrence, they're up to 27 credits now that the students, so as you expand and giving them more course options and serving more students, the costs add up. And community colleges haven't been all that well supported historically by the state. They're eating those costs. You know, how how are we going to be able to get to the scale that we should be getting to in order to get the most impact from early college? I know how we want to try to get there, and, and this is why we're going to lean on Massing to help figure out some of the policy aspects. Um, you know, credit to our partners. So Springfield has this unique arrangement called the Empowerment Zone that has allowed some flexibility. So my... Um, my collaborator, Matt Brunel, who's the co-executive director of that, and now uh, Paul Neal, who comes from Lawrence Public Schools, who's the executive principal of Commerce. We helped, at least in this one example at the local level, figure out a way to get the scale because ideally, um, at full capacity, we can take up to 200 students 
uh, in this model at any given time. And, and this is uh, a high school that has, uh, at least as of last year, ninth through 12th, about 1,000 students. So I, I, like the, I like those numbers in terms of trying to get the scale. Mm-hmm. But we are going to have to figure out some way to underwrite this, even if in this case, what we did is we said, can you come up with 50% of tuition fees, which as we know, don't still don't cover the full amount of cost for a student to come to the college anyway. Mm-hmm. And Commerce and the Empowerment Zone, again, to their credit, was able to do that. So we'll put these examples, if you will, on the table and say, here's a way that no one is sort of making out. There's no money made, if you will, in in a situation like this. We're trying to sort of um, allay or or hedge on some of those costs. But it's a very important conversation. Yeah. Are there any federal funds that you guys have found that you can use Perkins dollars or other? We, it's a good question. We haven't explored Perkins. And for us, Given the formulaic aspects of Perkins, it's a relatively modest amount of money. I think for SDCC, it's maybe two hundred thirty thousand a year is what we get from Perkins. Oh yeah. So we wouldn't necessarily be able to scale that. And um, my recollection of Perkins will hold me to this: is that um, a lot of times it's um, tied to specific things, discrete things like equipment, yeah. uh, lab purchases, things like that. So um, the ability to put that or tie that to, let's say tuition fees, the instructional costs, the student support costs, I think that'll be a little harder yeah. at, at that federal level. What about like startup costs? Are there startup costs that you guys have to cover for the planning and the training? And the, I, I look at those as in-kind. Um, any of that, um, especially what we've done with a lot of my staff who um, we started this three years ago, <laughs> these conversations with commerce, um, I view that, that that's that's the role of an administrator or my team of administrators is to be creative and, and use our time and invest it in these ways to figure these things out. And that's why when we're having conversations with other area high schools, similarly, um, I'm trying not to have the sort of meter run, if you will, and try to capture what that cost is. No, this this is part of our role as a community college. Um, I just want to wrap up with what what should we be looking at and talking about or advocating for? Uh, you know, how can we help? I, I mean, it's hard not to um, make that case again that um, as we're talking about the equity agenda, which is really ramping up all across Massachusetts, community colleges are right at the fore of that. We are the option for our diverse communities, for our communities of color. It's remarkable when you look around. It's certainly tied to the gateway city conversation, but education is a path that leads to transformative change for people, families, and their communities. Any any help, contribution, way to move things when it comes to the funding piece is going to be really helpful, and it's going to speak to trying to uh, alleviate, mitigate some of those equity issues. And we'll take it any which way, by the way. Um, We all have campuses that have some pretty expensive facilities. Uh, Those health programs can be pretty costly, um, and we often lose money when when we look at the margins around those. So um, even the facilities infrastructure uh, support that we can get, um, not always and only just the appropriations that we get um, straight over to the college, all of that is going to make make a big difference for us. Well, we really appreciate you coming in, John. I hope we can continue the conversation with you and see how things go. Thanks, Ben. Good to talk. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Gateways. Stay tuned for more discussions on education, transportation, criminal justice reform, the arts, and so many more things that are critical to our gateway cities. I'm Ben Foreman. Today's show was produced by Libby Gormley. Music by Worcester's own, the Curtis Mayflower. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.